Guard the Lieutenant Wharf. You step into my regiment, please, and bring a tricorder with you. Hi, Captain. What do you make of that? I am puzzled, sir. The only detectable bioelectric particles are your own. You did not help. I did not. Welcome to the Readier Room, the only and longest-running Star Trek The Next Generation rewatch podcast every week of the year. We're bringing you an episode of TNG and all the behind-the-scenes stories that made that magic happen. My name is Mitchell Mills, Chief Consultant of Services of Paramount. With me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs, ex-head of Resources Management. Brandon, I'm doing pretty well today. Wanted to get that Great, out that's there good. Before, that's I, good. before I even uh, broached the topic with you. This is, this is a, a new format. Yeah. Well, it's good to innovate in the realm mm-hmm. of um, entertainment, right? Keep the ensigns on their toes. Subvert you, their expectations. You see, the podcast industry and podcasting is like a shark. In is that it in a tank? No, no, no. It has to keep moving forward at all times. Otherwise, it will die. Is that true? Would I say it if it was false? I thought I thought it was I thought with sharks it was like they can't look sideways or something. No, that's dogs. And and, and Batman. <laughs> Some incarnations of Batman. Right, 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 right. Depending on his uh cowl. Not uh not Zack Snyder's masterpiece. No, 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 of course not. Uh I believe Adam West could also look to his side. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. Um, but you he carried the silly bomb. He did. He did. Um, he's also dead now, which is you know the curse of Adam Batman. Adam West is dead. Yeah, he's been every dead. every yeah everyone who plays Batman um, ends up dying, which is crazy. Right. It's insane. <laughs> uh, well, I'm I'm a little sad today, Mitch. Um, because it's just come out that, that Woody Allen has announced his retirement. Oh, from what? Molestation? Right. right. Um, you know, all those movies he was making. Well, like uh, Woodrow. Wasp 22. I, so you're, yeah, all I'm saying. Here's he's going to be missed. My favorite movie of all time is Annie Hall. Have you seen Annie uh-huh. Hall? Haven't seen Annie Hall. What? That's bizarre. We never watched it together? I don't think so. Hmm. Well, it's a comedy. You've been hiding it from me? I've been I, well, I have the DVD stashed mm. under under the sofa for a rainy day. <laughs> like many other things. Right. A few nickels, hash pipe. All that stuff, but Annie Hall's ostensibly a comedy. And it's really funny. And it's got good performances, it's got great writing. It's even directed really well. Mm. It's the only thing in my mind that stands as evidence that uh, Woody Allen is a creative talent. You know, Woody Allen was in uh, and, and not just Casino some Royale. Tweety Bird looking motherfucker. <laughs> he, was, he was in the old Casino Royale. Really? Yeah. Did he play the uh, the arch villain? I forget who uh, who he was. Was honestly. he Bond? He was not Bond. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I don't think. I don't. Maybe no. I don't think he was. Yeah, shaking nuts, dude. <laughs> don't stir my martini. Oh, jeez. He's got a full flush. <laughs> I'd watch oh, so that yeah. movie. Um, the actual film or the film if he were Bond? No, no, no. I'd watch a. There's a movie called That Movie, which I would oh, okay. watch. Right, right. Yeah. Except what you can't find it. Well, it's um, it's still in you know the uh, con- conception stage. It's it's all up here mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. my mind. Have you uh, have you seen this this thing going around um with the teacher with the with the big fake knockers? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Do you have anything to, to add sure. to that? No. I just wanted to make sure you saw it. So. Yeah, when uh, when I was in school, we couldn't take pictures of our teachers' big fake knockers. Right, right. Those kids are really lucky. Right. I wonder. I wonder if uh, she <coughs> lets them play with play with the fake knockers. I saw a um, uh, a tweet on the scenario that said. Something to the effect of, hmm, it's very strange that people suddenly care about uh, Canadian high schoolers. That's strange. (laughs) It's such a brain-dead argument. They're doing, and not that I care about The Little Mermaid. You know, you're seeing this all over Twitter now. That's the the argument they use for that, too. Oh, you're a grown man. You care about The Little Mermaid? And it's like, it doesn't matter who's really right here, whether or not, like, it's a good casting choice. I don't really care. But that argument is just such a such a cop-out. It bothers me so much. Because what you're admitting is that uh, it actually doesn't matter um, from your perspective either. Right. It's, it's not, it, what you're admitting is it's not worth caring about. Uh, which is just not true of anything, really. Well, it's it, there's always been this underlying uh, misconception about discourse i suppose that sure. um, if you ever talk about anything you are extremely <laughs> invested in it right. <laughs> yes yeah yeah you you definitely see that a lot on the internet and you've seen it a lot for a long time um you know mm. you'll, you'll go to uh you'll go to a forum about video games right and then uh inevitably there will be that one guy who comments oh it's just a game bro why do you care well you know I am on the forum dedicated to this very niche uh, subject, so uh, I don't know what else I would be talking about if not this. Uh, it's kind of like Star Trek, right? What is there to talk about if not Star Trek? Right. It's like, oh, why do you care that um, Lower Decks looks like a Flash animation? <laughs> it's not for you, Lower Decks. Lower, lower decks. decks. Lower, lower decks. decks. <laughs> oh yeah, we need to. It's it's been a while. We had a little hiatus. Um, we did. I, 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 I bought a cat, and I I bought a cat, and I didn't realize how uh, how much effort it was to take care of. Do you name it Spot? Uh, like Data? Like Data's cat uh, from Star no, Trek? No, 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 no. Not at all. No, I named it. Um, I named it Jordy. Ah, that's a good one. That's mm. kind of like what uh, H.P. Lovecraft did. Right, yeah, yeah. The, that was what I was the, the effect I was trying to trying to get there. Very nice. Um, just make it a little subtle, though, right? 
and then uh, the true you know, once, will get it. When I when I the next time I see a cosmic entity, I can say, "Save me, Jordy." <laughs> there was a um, I saw a comic. It was a randomly generated comic, which sounds like a strange concept, but it just basically there's a bunch of panels that I could choose from in it. Uh, pick them. So the first panel was like a a ghost spirit popping out of a guy and scaring another guy. Um, mm-hmm. And then the second panel was um, the first guy saying, just kidding, there's no spirit. <laughs> and then the third panel was, um, I think there was like an alien, like the first guy turned out to be an alien. And the uh, the title of this was Bloodborne.png. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. The oh. cosmic entity reminded me of that. <laughs> oh man um but yeah there was a some kind of star trek show lower what, decks what, 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 what? No, no 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 the uh the 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 orb no no i hesitate to call it a convention because it wasn't what, what was that star trek event Dashcon. not Dashcon. there's no pool the ready here room i don't know <laughs> i know i know i know what you're referring to but i don't remember the title at all yeah, shit. What was it called? Um, but anyway, video. yeah, yeah. Do you have the video? Well, you sent it to me. I did, but uh, how far back was that? Oh, I'm I'm trawling. There's a uh, Gates McFadden in that fiber commercial. Right, right. All right, okay. Paramount ruined Star Trek Day. Star Trek Day. Amazing yes, that Star the, Trek that Day the brain that. trust that is the radio room could not conjure up that one. <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek Day 2022, baby. Um, absolutely embarrassing. You can watch the full video, which is an hour and 45 minutes long, on StarTrek.com slash day. Or you can watch a six-minute compilation. Right, and save, save yourself the trouble. Um, now, in attendance at Star Trek Day was, of course, Will Wheaton. Mm-hmm. Uh, De facto and a bunch of Star people, Trek mascot. A bunch of people that no one cares about. I think there was a woman from Picard, right? Uh, perhaps. Is that, are you thinking yeah, of Seven and Nine? What's her name? Oh, she was there, right? I don't. Maybe. I maybe I don't. I, I it was a bunch of people no one cares about. Um, but yeah, yeah, very funny, very funny video. Indeed, I was immediately. And obviously this is too... It's stranger than fiction, really, that the, the musician that opens up the, the event with his <laughs> little sample pad. Yep. And he's just... I don't, I don't know who that guy was. was <laughs> is, he, is he a paid musician? <laughs> he probably is, and that's the sad thing. I bet the crowd <laughs> is really rocking out. Oh, yeah. The big overlap between uh, Star Trek fans and um, sample pads. Bad music. <laughs> they probably can't even tell. Their uh, their autism blinds them to that kind of right, thing. Right, right. They're looking around like, is this good? Should I be excited? Yeah, uh, Star who, Trek. Who sits in the audience for this kind of thing? Are they paid? Or... Yeah, you got like, given the option between attending a Star Trek day and just watching, getting the news online, I can't. I can't fathom going anywhere, but 
then again, the convention circuit being what it is, people will go farther for less. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I got, you know, I we, gotta we, we, watch Bill Shatner answer the question of what was it really like on the set. Right, right, right. Or, um, you know, Jonathan Frakes telling us uh, stories about Gates tap dancing. Yeah. Jonathan, well, how did you get the beard, John? <laughs> John? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Uh, what else? What else we got going on? Um, I uh, I've been watching Breaking Bad for the for the first time. Oh, is that right? I've been thinking about doing that. I've, I've been hearing it from your corner of the room. I didn't know what it was, though. Yeah, um, it's it's a, a mix of Spanish mariachi music and uh, gunshots, but it's it's fine. It's good. No, it's more than fine. It's pretty good. But I'm just so suspicious of it. My late my late brother used to enjoy it back before. Um, cancer took him i guess mm. i suppose rather ironically um but it's um i was suspicious because he's he, he was a, a complete moron and i'm very <laughs> very and you're very smart yeah that's what i was gonna say i'm very <laughs> very suspicious of anything recommended to me by idiots because you know mm -hmm. and then once once you begin enjoying it you're like am i am i also dumb <laughs> well well any any popular show will just by the nature of how life works will be enjoyed by a ton of idiots, right. even if it's good. So, um, I've I've heard it's I've heard it's good, and I think I think I've heard from people whose opinions I tend to respect that it's pretty good. So, um, I I might I might join you in watching that at some point. Uh, are you going to continue and watch Better Call Saul? That's a good question. Um, I actually just the other day watched the episode where they introduced Better Call Saul, and uh, Better Call, yeah, Better Call Saul, and Better Call Saul is obviously a very um, electrifying character. Bob Odenkirk does a good job. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why they spun him off. But I don't know if I'll have that type of energy in me once I get to the end of five entire seasons, halfway into season two right now. But, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't trust a spinoff being, being good. I don't know. If it was, I like, I, I, I trust the concept of, I want to watch more Bob Odenkirk. Like, okay, I get that, but mm -hmm. I uh, am intrinsically suspicious of of sequels and spinoffs because it, people hated the ending too of Better Call Saul. Yeah, and, you know, I've seen the ending of Better Call Saul um, <laughs> on YouTube. Yeah. Do you, do you want me to tell you what it is? Because it's kind of No, funny. I know what it is. Oh, you do? I know what it is. Oh, you, yeah. Have you watched it? No. Okay, but you... So, I'll, let me describe the ending scene then for the Ensigns. <laughs> um, so, Better Call Saul is on a uh, on a bus into prison, and it's, it's black and white, and uh, one of the inmates in front of him kind of turns around, and he's like, hey, do I know you? And Better Call Saul's like, nah, I'm, I'm a guy. 
and um inmates oh like <laughs> inmates like oh wait i do know you you're you're better call saul and better call <laughs> saul is like nah, that ain't me this is a guy and um then another inmate looks over he's like well, yeah it's better call saul and then all the inmates slowly they start chanting better call saul better call saul <laughs> and it, it escalates until it just cuts to the credits <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, yeah very avant-garde i was gonna say a, a, a strange note to end on but i feel like you would think i was joking if i said that and i am absolutely not joking right but uh i i would still watch better call saul I actually, before this, watched just random Breaking Bad clips because they just kept coming up on YouTube. And, um... <laughs> You're th- retarded. <laughs> that was the impetus to watch the show. <laughs> so now it's like meeting up with a, a mild acquaintance when I get to that scene I've seen before. Uh, <laughs> right, no, I've right. seen this. It really gives context to watch the other 97% of the, the show. What kind of yeah? What kind of absolute madman decided to make the word "scene" and "scene"? So you have to say, "I've seen that scene." Oh, I'm sure it was the same guy. I think so. Yeah. You know, um, you ever play this the the board game "Seen It"? Oh yeah, I, I actually played Seinfeld "Seen It." That's a that's a fun time. So they got let's gather around the DVD player and use this strange remote that somehow just is hard and doesn't function what were they thinking oh watch this clip of um fucking uh can't even think of a movie of of back to the future and it's like oh what what time was on the the bell tower clock (laughs) i hate trivia yeah. Do you ever go to a trivia night, like at a bar? No, but I will say that my disdain for trivia is just an extension of my hatred of knowledge. <laughs> it's not really knowledge, though, is it? It's it's uh, it's obsession. Yes. Have you gone to a bar trivia night? Yeah, a few times. You win? No. Did you tilt? Yes, I I, I threw the table up in the air and started screeching. Uh, the worst thing about I'm, trivia is uh, trivia competitions is how smug the people yes. who win them are. Yes. Well, it's it's also like you get like uh-huh. young millennials who, um, like have just autistically read up on '80s culture for some reason. Right. You know what I mean? So they're just. <laughs> generally they're kind of frequented by unlikable people yeah but that's everywhere unlikable people well what place is frequented by likable people um like what what place could you walk into and be like yeah this is my crew i get along with these guys i don't think such a place exists Hostess Club. <laughs> Pretty good answer. Soapland. <laughs> Girls Bar. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, I guess not. I the ramen I... shop. Nah, everyone just keeps themselves, but they're still dumb. 
Uh, yeah. I have a question for you. Have you ever heard the term Breaking Bad before the the show? No. Yeah, me no. neither. Which makes it very strange because in the first episode, one character says to another, like, what, you're just going to break bad? And <laughs> he's just like, what? Isn't that what Jesus did? In the Bible? Yeah, he, he broke bad. Oh, I thought you were saying that he mentioned, he name dropped the Bible in the Bible. <laughs> no, maybe he was down bad, actually. I can't remember. For whom? For um, Mary Magdalene? his mother no that's a different mary you don't know anything oh, about the, oh, oh the other mary sorry no you said mary and i got excited yeah i know i know honey but uh the no the one that was a prostitute right, right. everyone would be actually down bad for a prostitute well i guess you know no, more she, about she, that than she, me she was hot wasn't she <laughs> i don't think the bible described her as hot <laughs> i'm gonna put out a new bible that describes all the women in detail. The Brandon Hobbs version, like to supplant the King James version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Hobbesian version. <laughs> Hobbesian Bible. The Book of Hobbes. <laughs> now then you just get a bunch of smug Redditors buying it looking for Calvin and Hobbes content. That's right. That's right. Oh man. Calvin and Hobbes fans are something else. It's like, oh my god, it's it's so artistic and creative. They ride the sled down the hill. <laughs> oh, you know, Calvin oh, he's, he's, says he look says at him his pee. mind. Look at him go pee pee. I'm gonna put that on the back of my truck. Right next to these fake testicles. <laughs> my Blue Lives Matter sticker. My Don't Tread on Me flag. The thin blue line. <laughs> uh, I found a great thin blue line shirt in Japan. Yeah, you might have been with me once when when oh I've been with when, you when I was there. <laughs> you might have been with me when I found it. I don't recall, but why don't you explain it to me? Uh, that's about it. Well, oh. it was just funny finding a thin blue line shirt in Japan. It was in it was in Akihabara. I thought the design of it in particular was good, like a good no, no. thin blue line shirt. No, I guess it was quote good because it was funny just by virtue of existing. Yeah, life is a fuck. Life is a highway. <laughs> uh, life is a pool boy's asshole. I'm gonna ride mm. it. All night long. <laughs> that was the original version. Yeah. By uh I don't know. I was gonna say Rascal Flats, but that's not that's not the original. They did a fucking cover for cars. Mm. <laughs> Why do you know that? What that song was quite popular in two thousand whatever. Uh you turn on the radio and you just kind of huh? You know, like it's it's whatever. Uh, how do you know it was for cars? Plead the fifth. Because I've never seen cars. Mm. Cars is for babies. Yeah. When I uh, I only fuck cars. I only know bicycles. You only <laughs> you only fuck cars. <laughs> uh, cars cars really is like the. The exact moment Pixar became cynical. 
because they were like, all right, what should our next movie be? Um, how about one that we can literally just fill with uh, low effort toys? I think that the first Cars, while not a great movie, was it was <laughs> going to go to bat for it. Was in line with the type of content Pixar made and would greenlight. Oh, uh-huh. but it was definitely their worst film up until that time. However, yeah. once it was so successful, the the making a sequel was purely a cash grab, cynical move. So I don't fault, sure. I don't fault the creation of Cars. I do fault their reaction to its success, and, and perhaps the hiring of Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, Larry the Cable Guy. Um, Larry the something. Trucker Man. He's uh he actually seems like a nice guy though. Well, I mean, it doesn't seem like a, like an asshole, but at the same time, I don't know how much I'd enjoy yeah, hanging you, you out with him. You don't find him funny? No, not really. You, you don't want to get her done? No, I don't like get her done. <laughs> you don't like it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm not a fan of Jeff Foxworthy either, or uh, is it Jeff You don't Dunham? like the blue-collar comedy are, tour? Yeah, who are these guys? I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember who the other guy is because there's Jeff Fox or the Larry the Cable guy. There's like one other dude, right? There's two other dudes. Uh, okay, there's I'll, two. I'll, other I'll, dudes. I'll do the footwork here. I'll look this. Up. All right, thanks. The footwork. Yeah. You mean the leg work. <laughs> no, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Japanese people use the term footwork a lot, and I don't really know why or what. Oh, he's Japanese to. now. I am. Mm. Bill Engvall and Ron White were the other yes, two. yes. That's right. Ron White wasn't, wasn't he kind of like, he didn't really show up as much as all the other guys? I don't know these other guys. I don't know their content. But, uh, Blue Engvall, Blue Engvall, Bill Engvall was the host of Lingo on the Game Show Network. That's right, that's right. I think they, yeah, yeah, uh, Foxworthy did a game show too, that fifth grader or whatever. Yeah, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, which is... He did that fifth grader? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm not a fan of that show either. No, it's awful. No, mostly because of the damage it did to my self-esteem. <laughs> now, who... who should, gonna, uh, yeah. yeah. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, no, who, you go. Put him in the arena. Who do you like more? The, uh, the Blue Collar Comedy Tour or the Kings of Comedy Tour? Uh, who is that again? I, it was the, like, Steve Harvey and Cedric the Entertainer. Uh oh oh they're all black guys. Bernie Mac. And I've never actually seen them. Jet what is this last guy's name? DL Hughley, that's it. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm going to send you the poster for the film release of of their tour. It's kind of silly. They all got suits on that are like really big. <laughs> right, right. Right. Well, that that was the style. Right. We got jokes. Steve Harvey's pants are like up to his fucking nipples. It's just four acts in a row of uh, well, white people, well, black people. <laughs> white people do like this, but black people, mm, we be doing it like this. The the comedians give the audience their views about African-American culture, race relations, religion, and family. 
they're kind of like uh, women comedians, right? Where they just talk about one thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if these guys also just talk about the cervix, but. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Harvey gets up on stage. <laughs> I'm on my period today. <laughs> the audience just goes wild. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to give you one shot. Don't look at the poster again. Don't research it. Who directed this? Okay. Spike Jones. No, oh, you were you you had the wrong name, but you have the right idea. What's his name? I don't know. Spike Lee. Spike Lee. Right. Damn. I am sure Damn that, it. that's who you were thinking of. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah. Spike Jones is a white guy. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't sound like it though, does it? No, I suppose it doesn't. Because you got the Spike Lee, Stanley kind of yeah. overhang. That's amazing. It really was Spike Lee. That's so funny. <laughs> oh, I mean, there there are only like two black directors, so. Oh, wait, three, because we, uh, we got Jordan Peele now. Right. Who's the other one? Um, What's his name? That's that's literally what I'm asking you. <laughs> I just forgot. Very nice. I, I I I only have room for two black directors in my head. A new one came out. He had to jettison the old one. <laughs> By remembering Jordan Peele, I've completely forgotten who I was thinking of. Tyler Perry. Oh yeah. There we go. I mean, that's not like the other guys make real films. Tyler Perry just. Uh... Well, he's he's a. A genuine actor now that he was in um, that Dick Cheney film. Ah, Dick. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That movie called Dick. I'm waiting for the um, the over it crowd to come after Medea. Because I think well, that, she already went to jail. That <laughs> that'd be a very funny crossover of things <laughs> that I'm vaguely aware of. Do you ever watch the Bernie Mac show? No, no, and I never will. Well, I mean, it's it's off the air, but uh, it was decently funny. Yeah, here's the okay. Never forget this topic. I'm still on the original Kings of Comedy Wikipedia page. Um, in the synopsis section, where it, for some reason attempts to describe the acts of all four of these guys, um, it says Bernie Mac is most autobiographical of the group. He turns his comedy on himself. The sentence. He turns his comedy on himself is hotlinked to another Wikipedia article. Okay. And it do you want to guess what it links to? Um self-deprecating comedy. That's it's self-deprecation. That's exactly it. But wow. more, more to my point here is that I absolutely hate the way hot links are done on Wikipedia. Okay. For example, um, the part of Bernie Mac's act here, using the same article here, is uh, talking about his effeminate nephew, whom he, and the article says, whom he refers to repeatedly as, quote, the faggot. Faggot nice. being hotlinked to um, the article for the word faggot. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, there's also Motherfucker later on, which is also hotlinked to that article. It's like, who, who needs this? Who wanted this? It's just some guy. A guy a guy who learns the word faggot from the Kings of Comedy right. Wikipedia page. 
<laughs> yeah, I like to do deep dives on Wikipedia. I could just read it for hours. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, last thing, and I'm gonna close this page. Uh, the popularity of this movie inspired spinoffs, including the Queens of Comedy, the original Latin Kings of Comedy, the Kims oh of Comedy, the Comedians oh of God. Comedy, and the Killers of Comedy. Wow, they should be ashamed of themselves. A lot of people should be ashamed. The Kims of comedy? What is it, just a bunch of Koreans? <laughs> it's pretty good. Can you name any of the queens of comedy? Um, Leslie Jones. Oh. Who's that? Oh, no, uh, this is earlier. This is this came out in 2001. Uh, Tina Fey? No, no, they're all black. Oof, de definitely not then. Monique is the only name I recognized. Well, Monique is a fairly common name. <laughs> Do you not know Monique, big fat woman? Oh, I know plenty of those, yeah. Okay. Well, this is more unique than them. More unique than Monique. Right. Alright. Let's see the Latin kings of comedy. Uh, these are George Lopez. <laughs> They're all George Lopez. Is, is is uh is that really big fat guy there? No, maybe. No, no. He's How about not. John Leguizamo? No, Cheech Marin is the only other name. No. Sans Chong. So there's only two of them. No, no. There's other guys. They're just no nobodies. Oh, okay. Uh, the comedians of comedy is just a really challenging one to nail down. <laughs> But it's it's headlined by Patton Oswalt and Zach Galifianakis. Ooh. Oh God! I don't know. I bet I... they thought they were really funny with that name. Galifianakis? No, the comedians of comedy. <laughs> oh yeah, that's kind of dumb. That's something Patton Oswalt would be like. He'd be like giggling about it after he killed his wife. <laughs> I'll admit that I did enjoy the Zach Galifianakis two ferns bits. I mean, there was some good stuff there. I don't hate Galifianakis. But Pat Oswalt, I don't find to be very funny. He's not very funny. He's, he's annoying. He's shrill. He is shrill. He was on The King of Queens, which is somehow adjacent to these X of comedy things, um, given that uh, we had both the kings and queens of comedy. Who's the guy who played Gollum? Uh, Andy Serkis. Yeah, yeah. Um, Pat Oswalt is like if you took Andy Serkis and kind of like blew him up. Made him really famous. <laughs> I, God, I do it. I do it. I do it. All right, Killers of Comedy, last one. Now these are all Howard Stern guys. Whatever. Baba Booey, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. He's like uncomfortable to look at. He is, but damn, if I haven't laughed really hard at some of these. Beetlejuice YouTube clips. <laughs> the one of him doing the trivia challenge against the other retarded guy. Oh my god. That's just... <laughs> That's the kind of content we need for the readier room. Yeah, I, yeah. honestly, I, I wouldn't mind... Well, we've already started to branch out into that, haven't we? Of, uh... <laughs> I'm not, not going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> uh...
But yeah, we're having more guests these days. Mm-hmm. And, um... Oh, I had my, uh... My, <laughs> my lifestyle th- questioned. So get this, I'm, I'm arranging time for a guest. And we're like, oh, we're probably going to record around six. Yeah. Maybe five. JST. And, um... So I was like, six in the morning? What? Do you guys have day jobs? What are you doing? Just, how do you live like this? And I'm like, well, yeah, I wake up at like three. Work starts later. You really got asked this? I did, actually. That's uh, bold. That is bold. Why, why, why would he assume that we're not making money off of this? Well, I mean, you, you're ex-head of resources management, but I'm still... Uh, working at paramount so no well yeah but you know we got we got the podcast for raking and patreon money it was a little rude but i play nice i don't show my fangs mm-hmm. unless i have to but i didn't have to well so, lucky him yeah he's so hard to live another day mm-hmm. <laughs> let's be real we're, we're creatures of the night Funny story. You ever hear the song? Yeah, it was. You ever hear the song "Keep Yourself Alive" by Queen? Uh, probably. Well, all that's important is that the chorus is the title. Keep yourself alive. Mm-hmm. The first like ten times I heard it without knowing the title, I thought that the chorus was "Creatures of the Night." That is kind of funny. <laughs> Something just pops on the radio and you hear it, and you don't, you know, you don't know. You don't have the booklet with the, sure. the lyrics there, and it's like, ah, creatures of the night. Like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go listen to it later. That's great. I'm excited for you to report back. It's like, nah, dude, you're retarded. <laughs> you got anything else important happening? No, no, I I think that's about it. Um, oh it's almost time. <laughs> it's time. It's time. We have a beautiful question of the week. We do. We do. Um, which I suppose we can get into. I usually transition in the question, but you know, whatever. It's not, I'll just lose my job. It's fine. Well, you, you, you uh, told me how you were doing first, so I figured I would follow up by introducing the question of the week. Well, I'm going to end this whole episode by answering the trivia question correctly before you even ask it. Mm-hmm. So taste actually that. that would be that would be fun yeah, yeah. Uh, i could try right now actually is the answer okay. the enterprise b <laughs> no it's not it's Damn. not <laughs> all right i got but... some good stuff for you later though that's exciting i know we've had a dry spell sometimes yeah yeah well, yeah we had a few episodes where nothing really happened oh you can say that again mm. uh so this week's question of the week comes from one jp morrigan who asks, hello, Admirals, longtime fan. Uh, LiveCon and Prosper is coming up next month, and I want to take a break from the question to say that, yes, we will be there at LiveCon and Prosper. Um, we'll be in Hall C, so be sure to drop on by. Anyway, yeah. uh, JP continuing. And I was curious, what is the general protocol for dealing with celebrities, celebs, at a con? I'm a rather shy individual, and I don't want to screw things up. I'm having anxiety attacks over this. Ah! 
Please help. Right. Well, he, he included the ah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, it's kind of a... Uh, what's what's the word where things just flow from your mind through the pen? A... Uh, something... Of mind. Flow? State of mind? No, no, no. It's, uh, no, it's, um, stream of consciousness. Stream of consciousness. You're right. All right. That's it. Nice. Stream of consciousness question, which is great. So I prepared the answer for this because the protocol is actually somewhat extensive, especially for first timers. But once you get the hang of the steps, it flows really naturally. So generally what you want to do is whatever celebrity you want to uh, make contact with, you want to approach them in a way that they know you're there. No one gets surprised. You don't sneak up on them. You don't come from the back. You don't do peekaboo. And then when you're within, they see you, you open your palm face up so that they can see the sugar cube inside of it. And from then on, just kind of approach slowly. Wait for them to acknowledge you, and you got to really gauge their reaction. This is the only time... You have a big choice to make. Um, see if they uh, seem to be placid or aggressive, right? If they if they seem placid, you can kind of get closer, stroke their hair a bit, touch the side of their mm -hmm. head. But if they're aggressive, just get out of there. They might bite your hand if you offer the cube. Don't just go move on to someone else. There's other celebrities. I promise it'll be fine. Um, but assuming everything is fine, you know you're you're they're reacting well to your touching. They're uh, they want the cube, then they should begin to gently lick the cube out of your hand and uh, lift it with their tongue. And once that's done, you've basically made a friend for life, and you can just chat about whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's it's definitely important that you follow this to the T. Um, we have a uh, mutual friend who lost an entire arm to James Earl Jones one convention. That was, uh, the cleanup on that was terrible. Mm. But you can print this out. Um, just use your speech-to-text app on your computer uh, and your dot matrix printer, and um, it's not a fast pace, right? It's it's you got time to to find your wits about you when you're in the middle of this. So yeah, yeah, just don't panic. Right, keep a cool head. I'll give you the same advice I tell everybody when they're having a panic attack around me: calm down, and it'll be fine. Just just calm down. Right. And I guarantee you, I, I tell you, that advice has always worked. Everybody who I've ever told to calm down has then went on to calm down eventually. Right. Because right. It's, it's, it's really funny. People just don't think about it. People never consider calming down. Right. Well, that's what the panic attack does. It robs you of your, uh, your faculties in a way where you, it just doesn't occur to you. So... It's like, it's like a broken flowchart. Right. Having someone smart, level-headed around you to tell you to, to relax is uh, is the cure for all these things. I did the same mm -hmm. thing with um, my friend who had an anger anger problem. I said, hello, dude, just calm down. And mm -hmm. uh, he didn't need to go to anger management anymore. Right, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's foolproof. Right, right. In, I mean, unless the person giving the advice is a fool. Then, then it's not foolproof. Mm-hmm. Much like alcohol. Okay, alcohol distilled by idiots, foolproof. Not bad. Not bad. All right. Um, if you're like J.P. Morgan, you want us to answer your question on our 
question of the week segment you can email us at the radio room at gmail.com it's with capital t and two capital r's or you can tweet at us at the radio room or message our reddit account radio room and in any of these venues we'll take your question appropriate it and answer it on our question of the week segment every week that's right um i have a surprise for you oh what's that no break oh my god now what we if I what, what if I needed to take a break? Well then we can break if you want. We're not gonna break. Give me a break. I'm not eating no Kit Kat bars around here. I I only eat the uh, the single Kit Kats, the big chunky ones. Uh, I only eat the the ones with stupid flavors that people insist on bringing back from Eastern countries. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. Oh, it's the strawberry Kit Kat. It's in a pink wrapper. Have you ever had matcha? Have you ever had a matcha Kit Kat? Do you know what yeah, matcha you is? <laughs> Just screaming, pulling out my own hair. Look, look what I found at the Chinese supermarket. Look, it's matcha Kit Kats, dude. Matcha is green tea. I got these green tea Kit Kats. Um, I, got, I got this urine yeah, Kit Kat. <laughs> there was a great uh i really like the sweet potato flavor <sighs> sweet potatoes i someone once offered me like oh i i've made sweet potatoes would you like them would you like one and i'm Did like this actually happened this is a real why do you always think my stories are fake because it's just <laughs> continue <laughs> so i thought okay they've prepared a sweet potato it's probably prepared in a way that uh, is palatable, and I so I said okay, and I followed them back to their. <laughs> and it turned turns out they covered it with shit. No, no, no. It it was the opposite, where it was just a baked sweet potato, which <laughs> which was fine. But I just start eating it, and the flavor, you know, it's generally pleasant, but it's kind of mild, and um, it's just so starchy. It's a potato. I'm just sitting there, mm-hmm. just eating a potato, with just. And I hadn't planned to eat a meal. I wasn't particularly hungry. I was just accepting what I thought was a treat, <laughs> not an entire potato. <laughs> and oh, I, I I used to enjoy eating eating sweet potatoes. It was just like snacks. It felt like a cow chewing on grass. Mm. Oh, you look like one too. Damn. Must be this uh, black and white sweater I'm wearing. Must be your four tits. <laughs> Two of those are testicles, I'll have you know. <laughs> that's why I couldn't get any milk out of them. That's right. That's right. I, I asked somebody the other day on advice for milking cows. And um, apparently, you really got to squeeze. It's not more. It's not much of a pulling. It's a squeezing. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Which makes sense. You form like a ring with your thumb and forefinger around the base of the teeth. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, squeeze well i'm kind of an expert at that i've never milked a cow before but i think i know how to do it yeah that makes sense that makes sense now i i went on to ask any for any pasteurization tips but apparently you can just drink the milk raw without even cooking mm-hmm. it it's better that way mm. nice and foamy more nutritious yeah right and i always nice said nice and warm if it's good enough for the calf it's good enough for me mm-hmm I'm glad we didn't take uh, a break. The the 
the wounded. Right. Episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation. Yes. yes. Which is kind of the next next generation, because this one focuses on a character who wasn't isn't part of the principal cast. Um really sure. really good episode. Really good episode, wasn't it? A really great episode. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of things going for it. Um, any any Deep Space Nine fan has to appreciate this episode for the introduction of the Cardassians. Yep. And, yep, and of course. for the introduction of a special guest star. But the uh, the actual story itself, when you rob it from its greater Trek context, is also very, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this kind of story is always fun, I, I think, and uh, it's pulled off well. And it, actually, there's a little bit of a subversion at the end, too, which is nice. Um, yeah, with um... where you, you, you think he, you think the 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 rogue captain uh, Maxwell is crazy. But uh, it turns out that, uh, you know, Picard agrees with them in the end. And it's implied uh, that it, that they're correct in thinking. Yes. So. Yes, yeah. Which is uh, great. So cool. Because part of what sets this episode apart from earlier TNG works is that characters are traumatized, racist, um, willing to take extreme violent measures, in the case of the mm-hmm. captain, and then they are justified in, in being so. Right. Whereas before it's... Uh, a lot more just paragons of justice and whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's 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 cool. It was a nice twist. Um something the episode I think actually needed because it was turning out it like I think it would have turned out to be maybe a little too predictable. Yeah, I um, think it would have been strong without it, but it certainly elevates mm-hmm. what came before it. Um in the same was black and white. In the same way that a, a bad ending doesn't just nix an episode entirely, um, I think that a this good ending is not solely responsible for the quality of the episode. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't think we're gonna have too much, too much negative feedback on this episode, you know, from us. No, uh, no it's, I, it sounds like we both agree pretty I, if, much if, on everything. If you want to get some negativity out of the way, small negativity, um, the first iteration of the Cardassian makeup and outfits is yeah, yeah. not great. Um, it's it's definitely different. It's different. Um, um, now they have the core look to them. It's not they don't completely change from later on, but it's not the fact that it's that it's different that's the problem. It's some elements of the of the costuming, like those those headpieces that they wear at the beginning. Yes, um, yeah, that's weird. That are just they look silly. Yeah, because the the base Cardassian design, alien design, I think is is actually quite strong. Uh, it makes sense that that was one that was chosen to get a lot of screen time later on. Um, right. How they got these uh these like webbed necks, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um. Yeah, it's it's a good place to start, but it's not all there yet. That's just slightly negative, but not even that big a deal. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and of course we have the facial hair. Yes, um, 
which the chops. It was actually only in in recent re-releases that uh, that Gulmasets. It's Maset, right? Gulmaset. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they they uh, restored his mutton chops, um, which actually you know that put a cap on that that I guess twenty plus year debate. Long time. Uh, mustache gate um, or beard gate. That's kind of its own argument, right? I was called. team beard gate for what it's yeah. worth. I, I mean, it's it's beard like. Um, I can see the mustache side too. Um, but quick shout out. Um, devoted Trekkie, loving cat dad, Steph Stepachnov. Hmm. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's the one, he's the one who got it, um, got it restored in the, uh, not even the Blu-ray release, but the, the DVD before it. Um, he, he wrote the book on, literally wrote the book on, uh, Trek alien facial hair. And, and that's kind of become a resource for official productions too. So, um, shout out, shout out to, uh, to Cliff. It's a shame that the Usenet's no longer around. I would love to see everyone's reaction once uh, this was settled. It is. It is. It is really a shame. Um, you know, once Usenet went down, I, I've actually been completely lost on where to talk about Star Trek. Right. I. I just find myself at the wall. You know, in the other room, just, just talking and nothing. Sometimes I'll I'll boot up Usenet on my old computer and just stare at it. I still try to connect to IRC. Hoping, hoping a message will come through. That sounds like an episode of uh, Star Trek. In fact, I think, I think that was an episode of Voyager. Um, Sarah <laughs> Silverman, of all people, oh, God. Is, is at a computer. Um, she's a queen of comedy. <laughs> and, uh, she's um, at a computer, and she intercepts like a message or a signal from Voyager, which somehow is back in the year 19... 19- 95 or 7 whatever oh my god that's right i think we were talking about this yeah fairly recently it was bad but um anyway the cardassians mentioning golden sets mutton shops they choose gull as the name of like captain or leader whatever it's the Mm -hmm. title Mm -hmm. and uh i always think of seagulls a flock of gulma sets (laughs) He is the only Cardassian, I believe, in the series to be depicted with facial hair, which uh, only fueled the debate as it raged on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. Now, there's definitely an argument to to be made that removing them creates, you know, more uniformity, better consistency in the uh, the lore. But, uh, well, it was strange yeah. because when they removed them, they didn't put anything in to replace them, so it was just black mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the frame. Yeah, that that was about all that could be done on the budget that was that 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 we had. I think um, technology right. was fairly limited back then. The home video releases didn't get a lot of attention. Yeah, the thing. Yeah, you know, nowadays they're uh, you know removing Henry Cavill's mustache and. Which looked great. Oh, that fun stuff. It looked amazing. I thought it was Henry Cavill. Could be. Want me to ask him? Cavill? I got his number at that party one time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But whenever I call it... Yeah, you're going you're, you're to hook up? I wanted to hook up. I wasn't going to tell him that, but I wanted to hook up. Get his little baby hands around your uh, throbbing member. Yeah, that or my neck. Mm. Maybe at the same time. He's got long arms. 
<laughs> I don't think he does actually. He's got he's got little baby T Rex arms. I think he, yeah, I think his arms are kind of. He tiny. W- he was Superman. They wouldn't cast him as Superman if he didn't look like a Superman. <laughs> right, right. If he couldn't fly, they wouldn't have cast him either. Right, and his laser vision. Oh yeah, yeah, that's uh that 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 was that was his uh, his party trick. Does Superman always see things in X-ray, or does he like flip a switch behind his ear? I think he can just yeah, I think he can like do it at will. I see. Who's Will? Do it at Will and Grace. Oh no! Now Will and Grace was my favorite show about homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Is that in Friends? And that's saying something, right? Because you got so many. <laughs> Like the Readier Room. Yeah. The Readier Room is a proud member of the Homosexual Trek Alliance. Um, Alright, so uh, why don't you take us through the episode? Just the whole thing? Is that my oh, yeah. challenge? Two minutes or less? Like, the whole like, like, like we usually do. I didn't write anything down today. Ah. So. Well, I, we all take our job very seriously. Yeah. Um... So I watched this episode in preparation for last week. Yeah. So, so, oh, yeah, so, so do str- neither of us remember? I'm straining the limits of my memory here. It starts out with the Enterprise receiving the Cardassians, I believe. And it's... um. Wait, no. It, they, they get attacked. They get attacked by the Cardassians because... Well, it actually starts off with Miles and Keiko having dinner or oh. breakfast. Oh, I forgot the best scene right? in the Which in is the a show. very important scene. Um, we, we get introduced to Keiko's um, plankton loaf and sea berries. Right, and then we started very seeding important. later plot lines in this one. That's right, that's right. Uh, we had this, this idea for a recurring plot line where uh, Keiko would gradually put on weight because of O'Brien's feeder fetish. All um, those oxtails. All the, yeah, 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 yeah. All the muffins. Um, but yeah, this, this ended up not happening because um, Rosalind informed us that uh, this would be, uh, I guess, an affront to her ancestors, right? Mm. Which would likely lead them to destroying her home's dragon temple again. Um, and considering, you know, they'd already destroyed it, what, two, three years prior? She didn't want to risk it. So we, we dropped it, you know, just out of respect. I remember it was a shame Patrick in particular really wanted to see this one come to fruition. Yes, yes, for some reason. But uh, what are you going to do? Alas. We still got this fun, Alas. fun, fun scene. Um, <laughs> fun? Question mark? Fun. <laughs> um, this scene? I, I do have to wonder how, how these two got married um, without knowing what they each eat for breakfast. Without knowing anything about each other, really. They don't, yeah, they don't really seem to have any chemistry at all. I, I imagine, like, another, if this scene were to go on, where I'd be like, oh, yeah, we used to eat this all the time in Ireland. And <laughs> Ireland? She'd, she'd be like, Ireland? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yes, you know, continuing the tried and true custom of Irishmen marrying Japanese women. Right. Yes. Um, and, uh, the con- and not knowing anything about them. The continuous shitting on the, on the English palate, which all yeah. the world can happily engage in mm-hmm. it's really funny because places like the united states where you know the image is uh, hamburgers and pizza or whatever still is seen as more culinarily refined than anything in the uk that's true that's true well the uk has curry now so uh, well we do like curry 
We do like curry. Ann Curry? Huh? You know, you know Ann Curry? Oh, oh, Ann Curry, yeah. Yeah. Stone Phillips? Yeah. Yeah. Dateline. That was pretty good. Thank that you. That was great. Thank you. Uh, I tried really hard. So there's there, there's plans then they to, get attacked. to engage with the Cardassians, but they end up getting attacked, yeah, because apparently a rogue ship has attacked, a Federation ship has attacked Cardassians elsewhere in space, so they assume that the war's back on. They, they, the, the Federation, a Federation ship destroyed a space station, a science station, right. quote unquote. A civilian science station. Yes. And, um, this is at risk of setting the war back on, which is cooled before the beginning of this episode. But there's a lot of dialogue right, right. about, oh, those Cardassians, they have no honor. Right, right. We, we, we are suddenly introduced to uh, this, this war that apparently has been or had been raging for years. Right. Which is a little strange, right? Wars don't happen so quietly. Right. You, you don't hear anything about them we, on the flagship of the military <laughs> yeah <laughs> but whatever i mean that's uh you know that's trek unfortunately yeah Come, but, it comes with the the property which i think this highlights one of the one of the few shortcomings of tng is that yeah. you know there's this whole thing with war cardassians and it's off then it's on and they're preparing for war again at the end but it just never really resurfaces aside from one or two distinct, right. not um, serialized episodes. So I guess that's one thing that, you know, we can thank DS9 for because these, these guys are uh, proper antagonists. They're excellent antagonists. And yeah. I think that um, one of the best qualities of Deep Space Nine is how it handles two, no, three Cardassian characters and their arcs over really all the events of that show but mm. through those three characters there's just so much um, depiction of the the Cardassian culture and and psychology and all this stuff that really makes them very compelling yeah yeah all unfortunately the way up to this the is finale. a DS9 podcast you uh -huh. will one day on your deathbed <laughs> You know, when you're in hospice, I wish I had watched Deep no, no, Space no. Nine. No, no, no. You'll you'll have the time. You'll you'll be in your deathbed, and there's nothing else to do. And you're like, all right, I, I'm just shitting in a bag these days. I guess you know, it's, it's aid. Put on Deep Space Nine. Start at episode one, the emissary. And I'll I'll shed a tear. Yeah, you'll you'll watch it through to the end. You'll love it, and then and then you'll, die. Yeah, you'll have nobody there to discuss it with you. <laughs> I'll already be dead, and. um... <laughs> You'll yeah. you'll regret everything. Which mm -hmm. was I'm sure right. <laughs> and then I'll go to hell. <laughs> Where you can watch all the Voyager you want. <laughs> Satan's like poking me with his like trident or whatever and I am hanging above a, a bed of lava, like with a, by by my foot. And uh he's like, Yeah, you should have watched Deep Space Nine when you had the chance. I'll be up there in heaven. I get to the gates, and St. Peter's there with his book, and he's like... Oh, Gates is there? Yeah, and and he's like, oh, man, wasn't it great that time Cisco and Gold Ducat got stuck on that planet together? Like, yeah, it was <laughs> fucking awesome, wasn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> a, a, an okay. afterlife based entirely around Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a, what a dream for the Ensigns. Yeah. <laughs> 
so what do we got? Um, so then, so the, Picard wants to investigate this. He and, diffuses the situation, right? And Massette's like, "You have an hour." Well, right? okay. The, the Cardassians come aboard, right? They do come aboard. They do eventually come aboard. Yeah, and um, they get to the root of who attacked them, and it's like, "All right, we got to find the ship, this rogue captain." Oh, has anybody served with this captain? Um, and O'Brien, but I guess before that, once once we meet the uh, the onboard Cardassians, we get Massette, mm-hmm. who's played by Mark Alimo, who went on to play the primary antagonist of Deep Space Nine, Gold right. Cot. Right. They do this a lot, where he could have conceivably just played Gold Massette, sorry, the same actor, same character. There's not a lot of reason to change it, but they did. But uh, I thought his performance in this was really good. Not not as good as he would later go on to be. Um, I, I don't know how, without having that context, that prior affinity for it, what you thought of his performance here. Yeah, I thought he was good. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, I mean, you know, I have seen some DS9 clips, and I, you know, from what I've seen, I do agree that he eventually does get better, which makes sense. But uh, it's definitely he, not bad here. I would say that he ultimately becomes probably the most charismatic Star Trek character. Mm. Which there's tight does competition gamble at the for. casino, though. He does not gamble at the casino. He's uh, he's too too angry for that. Uh, but he does he does go on to get possessed by Satan. More or less. Dude, watch Deep Space Nine. It's great. It's it is. Crazy. It is great. It's great. Yeah. You're gonna love it. It's gonna be great. Um, but after we had finished filming this episode, Mark actually kind of hit out on the lot for a few years. He yeah, initially, yeah, yeah. He initially said that, "All right, I'm staying here until you give me a recurring role. I want to work on a, I want to work on track, but I want to work on a Paramount production. I need a lasting job." And um, Studio Head said no. Said fuck off in as many words. And Mark said, "All right, I'm just, I'm not leaving." And he hid out on set. And they had security looking for him, but he was very, very good at eluding security. And he would leave these cryptic clues and letters and droppings and such. yeah, yeah, he was like a ninja, right? And any time stuff would go missing from the the craft services table, I, I would pretend to look for it, but I knew it was Mark. I knew. Mm-hmm. But anyway, eventually when DS9 was being conceptualized, the heads finally capitulated and offered him the role of Goldicott, which he did really well in, as we were just saying. Yeah, yeah, so it, it all worked out, really. Um, it shows for aspiring actors out there, just one of many ways of getting what you want. Yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, he's clearly a fan. Um, you know, I don't think there was anyone so dedicated to the role as he was, so... Really, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you cast him? He specifically grew up to have a really long neck to facilitate playing a Cardassian. Yes, yes, he did. He used those neck extenders. Right. There's um an episode or two of him in not in Cardassian makeup. One of them, he plays a racist white cop in a nineteen mm-hmm. fifties, while Benjamin Sisko is a science fiction Straved. writer. <laughs> same thing uh, who winds up on the wrong end of a racism 
Oh, he did a racism. Right. But that is one of the series' more hailed episodes. There's a lot of hail in the scenes. I, uh, <laughs> I'm actually excited to watch that one. Oh, yeah? Yeah, sounds ridiculous. No, it's 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 not it's not um it's actually a very thoughtful mm. somewhat moving episode and it's not like yeah it's got racism is bad stuff but it's not as hackneyed as that might come Well across. no, I mean older Star Trek never is so yeah. well usually isn't. Let's put it that way. It's a good episode. Um, you also yeah. get to see Michael Dorn without without wharf makeup. Ooh, that's fun. He plays a pro baseballer. That's always uh, slightly disturbing. More strange than seeing him without wharf makeup is seeing hearing him do just a normal voice. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, because he did, he does sound pretty different, to be honest. Yeah, he's got a very smooth, just uh, affable voice instead of, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Captain. Yeah, Captain. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's not always smirking. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't always look perpetually uncomfortable. Worf's just a super so, awkward uh, guy, and Michael Dorn is quite charming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's weird. Uh, Michael Dorn might just be a bad actor. I mean, yeah, but <laughs> so but it's, a- uh, there's a charm to it. After um, the Cardassians come aboard and they go to search for the. The captain, whose name I forget, they get... Uh, Maxwell. Maxwell. They get O'Brien in there because he served with Maxwell. And he might offer insight. And immediately, there's beef. Becomes apparent there's beef. There is beef. Between O'Brien... Actually, a one-sided beef. O'Brien's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. um, This this felt a little ham-fisted. Not in premise... But uh, it felt like it came out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, well, the Cardassians up until now have come out of nowhere. <laughs> have also been... Yeah, I suppose so. I don't know. Um, O'Brien just never came off as the kind of... Uh, there's something that rubs me the wrong way about the elevator scene. Yeah, it's it's probably the lack of professionalism, I think. There's that, and also the the Cardassian um, basically just asks him if he wants to have a drink. Maybe if the Cardassian was a little bit more antagonistic, right? Where it would warrant that response, unless the desire was for O'Brien to just be in the wrong, right? And and I think that might be part of it, mm-hmm. um, but it does it doesn't do a lot to endear O'Brien to us, no. I, it might all just be a grander subversion because you. Uh, yeah, that's true. You get the sense, like, okay, obviously the show is not going to advocate for racism, right? O'Brien's being right. a dick to this nice guy. He wasn't the one that um, was at that massacre or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it's setting up the moral to be. And then, as we discussed at the very end, it's like, no, the, the Cardassians are still <laughs> he up was to right. something. Yeah. I guess that's kind of tr- you know what yeah you're right you're right I-, I guess I can't complain too much about it um I guess I was just thinking about this in a vacuum really mm. um but I think you're right about that so yeah he 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 explodes on the the Cardassians who wanted to just uh get Liddy with him I'm sorry 
they wanted to get litty. What does that mean? It means they get drunk. That's what the kids say these days. Is this an extension of, of lit? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, O'Brien retreats to his, his room to feed Keiko a potato casserole. Right. Right. And he, uh, he, he, he sings his little song. The uh, the minstrel, the minstrel boy? boy, yes, yeah. This was a Colm, not an original. He didn't make it, but this this he taught the staff this song because it was passed down through his family for mm-hmm. generations. Um, but I think the version the version that his family sung was a little different. The minstrel show, the minstrel show, show, yeah, yeah. Okay, and obviously we're not going to put something called the minstrel show in our network television episodes we changed it to the minstrel boy Mm -hmm. but colm was not very incensed by that change and he just stopped coming to tapings he he wasn't going to do it it was an insult to he said it was an insult to his family his culture and his sensibilities that was his line right not happy um he eventually came back we organized the the principal cast to go to his house on his lawn and sing uh, the minstrel show, as he had learned it, as his family's version, and uh, you know that reconciliation worked. O'Brien came back. He obviously he did. We have the episode. Yeah. O'Brien came back. Colm came back. Um, <laughs> it's, and, I mean, same person, really. And it's a happy ending. But if you ever want to see the original version of this song, you can look up the minstrel show uh, song folk folk tune on Google, and you'll get it. Mm-hmm. Make sure you do it uh, with safe search off. Right, right. And and on a public library computer with the volume up for, uh, you know, the best viewing experience. Yeah. Either that or on the, uh, the subway in New York right, City. Right, right. In New York City, yes. <laughs> uh, we're cultured here. We're cultured here. But o- so, O'Brien it- is singing that whilst preparing dinner for keiko yes while feeding keiko (laughs) just shoving things into her gullet yes yeah yeah force feeding keiko wait who's gullet Um, so new cardassian ooh ooh you're just (laughs) you're talking to yourself now just responding as if you had said that i'll uh you know what you you can do this by yourself yeah actually it sounds like i've been practicing to uh make this a solo endeavor Right, right. Um, so, it, yeah, it turns out we're looking for a ship called the Phoenix. Right. Which I I believe is the first Nebula-class ship we see on screen. Right. It's also the first right. ship to have risen from ashes. Yeah, yeah, funny enough. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, by the time they've located it, the Phoenix is um, tailing a Cardassian supply ship. Right, and right? everyone knows something bad is about to happen. Right, and so the Enterprise, is, I believe, is too far away, but there is a Cardassian uh, battleship over there that um, they need some kind of codes or something. They need the codes to get through the shields, perhaps, because otherwise... The Phoenix the t- shields, yeah. The attack would be ineffective. So, um, you know, there's a lot of arguing back and forth. Worf doesn't want them to have the codes, but Picard tells him to give them the codes, of course... They attack the Phoenix, do not destroy it, and the Phoenix just comes right back around and blows both of the ships up. Right. Uh, pretty cool. I like that. 
That was really cool. Can we can we talk about Data's little map, little screen map? His little oh yeah, his little map yeah. Where it's just like a flat grid, and it just shows these circles labeled Phoenix and sure Cardassian ship. (laughs) Cardassian ship. (laughs) I've uh, long long since uh, stopped asking questions about the the graphical displays, considering they're always different. They're always uh, uh, what's the word? Vague, simple, too, oversimplified. Yeah, yeah, that uh, impenetrable. Bespoke. Uh, yeah, they're bespoke. <laughs> I see. Makes complete sense. <laughs> it does. Bespoke. <laughs> yeah, they're bespoke. They're 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 only they're only applicable to the the very specific situation we see them in. Is that what bespoke means? Well, yeah. I mean, they're they're they're. I didn't know. All right, don't don't make fun of me. <laughs> I didn't know bespoke was a real word. <laughs> I thought it was just something people said. Oh no. <laughs> like like bespoke shirts, you thought that was just like I've never heard that of, before. Uh, marketing lingo? I've never heard that. Wow, really? Yeah. Yeah, that was like a big thing for a while, bespoke stuff. So what? Like this is the shirt you wear while you're raking leaves? It's like made to order. I mean, what else do you do with a maid if not order it around? Right, right, right. <laughs> I can hear the gears turning in your head. <laughs> it's got a, just like a, a very violent gnashing of slow churning gears that haven't spun in decades. <laughs> At least a week. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I've been deactivated in the interim between episodes. <laughs> so we learn that... Um, Captain Maxwell, who is the, you know the captain of the Phoenix, uh, his family was killed by the Cardassians. But in O'Brien a tells Picard, right? O'Brien tells Picard that um, he doesn't believe, like you know, Maxwell has always been kind of by the books. He doesn't, you know, act out. He doesn't let his emotions, you know, take control. Um, and and this is the point where you know you as the audience, you're starting to you're starting to get a picture of this guy who maybe suppressed his emotions for so long that now he's gone off the deep end, right? Yeah, you don't really um, t- you don't really trust O'Brien's uh, appraisal of the situation, right? He is Irish after all. That's right. That's right. Which led to many conflicts. <laughs> but um, O'Brien O'Brien goes O'Brien gives the most backhanded apology of all time after this. It's like, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. You. He says, yeah. <laughs> He goes to the bar and tells the Cardassian, he says, uh, you know, I, I, I shouldn't have said that. Um, I don't hate you. I hate what you've done to me. <laughs> what you've made me become. I hate it's It's not you I hate, Cardassian. I liked that scene, other than you know, kind of O'Brien just being a dick. Um, which isn't bad, inherently, but it's, yeah. uh, it is not much in the way of an apology. No, but no, the, my read on the situation was like O'Brien goes to he 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 wants to apologize, and then talking to the Cardassian gets him going, and uh, sure, yeah, just kind of blows up again. Right, right. But again, um, this is the kind of thing, this trauma, you would never have gotten that in earlier TNG seasons. No, totally, totally. And it is compelling. It's oddly deep for a character like O'Brien who has had. Very, very few uh, 
protracted scenes. Yeah. No, it's great. It's great. We uh we like O'Brien. We, we do like him here. Um he's he's kind of uh he's kind of who I project onto. He's the everyman. I I that he was his dedicated role on Deep Space 9. Yeah. You know, except for being like the the head of engineering or whatever. Well, yeah. yeah. All right, O'Brien, you're getting transferred to Deep Space Nine. You're to be the everyman. <laughs> <laughs> but talking to writers of Deep Space Nine, and I might have mentioned this before, but they um, O'Brien had so many terrible things befall him because as more of an everyman, it's more relatable for the audience to see him going through something traumatic sure. than one of the other superheroes that that are right. on the cast well i mean from what i've heard and what i've seen of D- ds9 I, I do appreciate the uh almost comical amount of situations o'brien is subjected to it is nice i mean it's i, I he's so he's uh, the second time i've used this word today he's just so affable very affable guy he is affable he's and, affable and uh just makes all the scenes and episodes that feature him very, very endearing. Yeah, yeah. And then once he gets his his family up and running, you know, there's good drama there too. Uh, I know you watched the one episode where he is replaced by a clone, but nobody knows it. You don't know it. I guess everybody right. knows it except you, <laughs> the viewer, um, and O'Brien. <laughs> but uh, seeing the way that plays out with his family in particular is another layer of relatability and that was a good episode yeah 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 wait until you see the one where he's in mental prison for 70 years <laughs> i've heard of this it's good uh, maybe one day it's uh he he you get to see o'brien put a gun in his mouth great oh that's that's a that's a good reaction image <laughs> gonna have to dig that one up shocked that you haven't come across that on TV i know before. yeah well, all they do is talk about lower decks. So <laughs> lower decks, lower, lower decks. decks, lower decks. It's a very LGBT friendly uh, general thread. If you is know is that mean. what the L stands for? Lower decks. Lower decks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was there a fish in the ready room? I, I don't was. recall. Yeah, you're fish watch. I'm sorry to I say, I am fish watch. I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm losing it. Um. We finally get Maxwell on board. They they intercept the Phoenix, and uh, Maxwell beams on board, and he's he's also affable, which he had to be. If this guy, he seems like a good guy. If he was at all villainous or disagreeable, a lot harder to make the the story work, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Uh, he meets he meets Riker at the uh, the little teleport room. Um. And O'Brien, right? And uh, he's like you know, like I said, he's 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 very uh, very sociable, I guess. Um, he uh, oh, there's that there's that one line. What is it about the silver tongue? Yeah, I I, I did some research on this one because I remember there being a story here, and I wrote the line down. Uh, he says, "You got a silver tongue by kissing the stone," right? So I <laughs> I, I used my connections, talked to the writers, and. I, was, I wanted to get this story right. So the reason that line was there, it's a rather oblique reference to the 1984 film Romancing the Stone. And right. that was so okay. popular at the time that we were writing this episode that part of the vision for the future 
uh, was that this film would have been such an enduring classic, it would still be referenced into the 24th century, which is all all part of Gene's design for the future. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we still have time. We still have time. It, it could uh, experience kind of a, a revival in interest. They released a new film somewhat recently that's very romancing the Stone-esque. Uh-huh. Fucking the Rock. <laughs> Starring Dwayne Johnson? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. Then again, um, that might not be a film, and just might be a fantasy of mine. I'm not quite it sure. It could be, or or like a porn parody. Yeah, right. Right. No, I think um, there was also another movie with um, uh, who was the the woman in Ocean's Eleven? No, it wasn't her. That's that was the redhead. Who was the one in Miss Congeniality? I don't know. Um, very handsome woman. Uh huh. What is her name? But anyway, it's her and some Channing Tatum-esque guy. And it's okay. it's romancing the stone adjacent. Okay. God. I, I don't watch chick flicks like you do. I... Look, they're called romance films, and they're very good. <laughs> um, I also don't play with dolls. When you see what those things are worth mint in the box, you will <laughs> regret your words and your deeds. Mm-hmm. Okay, Sandra Bullock. Ew. Oh, okay. Like as I mentioned, a very handsome woman was yeah, in she sucks. The Lost City. Okay. With the Channing Tatum adjacent actor Channing Tatum. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and this movie is romancing the stone adjacent. Okay. Okay. We got there. Um, there's also this movie called Sword in the Stone. That's the one with Merlin, right? Yeah, there's it's Merlin, who is not a mermaid, right? Contrary to popular belief. And there's a uh, Lancelot, who in that yep. movie only lances a little. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I hate you. Uh, all right, Maxwell. Maxwell. Uh, he he goes to Picard. He says, "You know, the Cardassian, the the science station is actually a military supply base, or was. Now it's destroyed. Um, Picard wants proof. Maxwell cannot prove it. Mm. He doesn't have any. But he's got a good uh, again, gut feeling. Right, right. Again, we're meant to believe that Maxwell is kind of losing it. Um, and he's got this whole rationale of." bureaucrats and uh red tape that are interfering with the true um sure true war that's going to happen right 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 it's um it's it's very uh 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 what's what's the name of that book heart of darkness it's very heart of darkness i was about to say apocalypse now which would have outed me as a as a fool (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, actually, a lot of people don't really know the origin of this episode, um, but it is it, one of the writers just watched Apocalypse Now, mm. and uh, you know, the rest is history. So, uh, but I wanted to seem, you know, a little smarter. Well, a lot of people, myself included, don't know that Apocalypse Now was based on anything. I thought it was a documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got the. Uh, What's 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 you got Marlon Brando? I, I wonder how many hamburgers he ate. 
More like Marlon Hamdo. Um, yeah, yeah. Marlon Brando had a stipulation in his contract of not filming scenes where he had to stand up. He did. He did, yeah. Which only contributed to his uh, sedentary lifestyle and overall spherical form. I love the pictures of him, like, kind of grasping the bars at his front gate, looking out <laughs> longingly uh, for, like, a McDonald's bag or something. There's just Very something ab- about these talented uh, actors and directors just becoming uh, amorphous blobs, him and, and Orson Welles, that just really tickles me. <laughs> oh, it'll come for us all. Yes, we... We will all become Marlon Brando fat in some time. Mm-hmm. Well, every successful person knows. Oh, then we'll be safe. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, yeah. So, so Picard wants Maxwell to to basically shut up and go to Starbase Two Eleven, uh, where so the you, Enterprise. You don't remember is also the scenes of the episode, but you remember Starbase Two Eleven. Yeah. All right, this checks out. It's two, and then one plus one, which is also two. Two Eleven. That's a good way to remember it. Um, and they go. They start heading there, but on they route, start heading there. Uh, the stargazer, the navel gazer. Um, the what Phoenix. is the Phoenix? Yeah, stargazer is Picard's ship. Yeah, I don't know where I got that from. Um, the Phoenix just leaves course. Yep, and sets off to prove uh that Maxwell's right by blowing up another thing and showing that it's got war supplies. Hmm. Like another supply ship, maybe? Um, I'm literally reading the <laughs> the episode summary. Um, Put the work in. And we get a good product. When they arrive, the Phoenix is not appear to be ready to... I don't know. They're about to attack some kind of ship anyway. Right. Well, right. The Phoenix, oh. the Enterprise, is yeah. trying to stop. The Phoenix, the Phoenix, yes, yeah, yeah. The Phoenix is about to attack some kind of ship, but um, the uh, what happens? Um, they just have to. It, Maxwell, stop. Maxwell wants Picard to board the Cardassian ship, or he'll destroy it. Right, and um, obviously, boarding it will create an international, interplanetary, inst- uh, uh, intergalactic. No, they're in the same galaxy. <laughs> Intersolar? Uh, incident. Yeah. Yeah. So um Picard sends O'Brien over to the Phoenix to yes. calm down, like just, just kind of diffuse the situation. I know how he thinks, Captain. I can get through to him. Right, right, right. Um And we, we get a nice scene here. We get the little well, before this they sing a little song together. O'Brien's such a genius that in this one instance they can just beam through shields. Right, which is usually, I didn't even really usually notice a no-no. that. No, O'Brien's yeah. like, oh, I can pinpoint the point one second window where the shields are rotating. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a cycle or something. Yeah. yeah, it's like all right, O'Brien's a fucking genius when he needs to be. He's got Troy syndrome. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he goes yeah. through, and there is a nice scene. Uh, the captain's like, I'm not gonna win this one, am I? And they, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like Bob uh, 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 Maxwell. You know the 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 character and the actor. I think right. The I, I enjoyed I enjoyed seeing 
But yes, yeah, we called him the Guntmeister. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Affectionately, of course. Right. Man, I haven't uh, seen Gunty in years. Yeah, I know. I know. Is he still around? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I enjoyed the performance quite a bit. Same. Um, and, it was uh, a little yeah. bit, a little bit much in uh, the scene with him and Picard, where he starts off all nice and friendly, and he's like, "Oh, I guess there's a. This looks like a bureaucrat's office." <laughs> but this, maybe the, I don't know. This this quieter scene with O'Brien was quite good on both ends. Yeah, yeah I, I I agree. I agree. Um, and and then of course they sing the minstrel show. Yes, uh, the minstrel boy. Right. Sorry. Um, how did how did the minstrel show again? It was like fell in love with a girl at the minstrel show. Right. <laughs> Why did you sing that like the opening to a Nickelodeon cartoon? Oh. Well, I fell in love with a girl from the minstrel show. Do you do you know what you're singing? Wait. What? No. What is it? <laughs> I'll leave that to you to figure out, but I just want you to know that you were perfectly on pitch for something that you don't even recognize. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Is it the Lead Street Boys? No, no, no. Just just <laughs> let, that, let that percolate inside your mind for a bit. All right. I'm yeah. sure I'll wake up in a cold sweat tonight. <laughs> yeah. Having realized what it was. <laughs> um, uh, anyway. And, uh... There's one the final scene. <laughs> no, because there's one more scene which we just both said we quite liked, and it's yeah, when, yeah, totally. It's that debriefing with Picard and Galmaset in the uh, where where they the, where know. they all take off their underwear. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, O'Brien, I need you to debrief him. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure, Captain. Oh Lord! Um, but yeah, it turns out yeah, it was a good scene. They actually did have weapons on board. Right, right, right. But uh, and this this is a great um, great justification for the existence of this episode. You know, the conflict. You know, Picard says, uh, you know, if if I did board that ship, we wouldn't be standing here right now. Mm. Um, you know, we'd be preparing for war. So he kind of um, oh, is that loses that the battle. I but... thought that meant that. If I had boarded that ship, I would be standing on that ship right now. <laughs> we'd, we'd be standing on that ship instead. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, this, this is smart television, yeah. <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> Picard, Picard chooses to lose the battle in order to preserve peace. Right. And uh, he says, we'll be watching. And, and like you've noted, um, they watch for another five years and nothing really happens. Until uh, they randomly decide to invade some Cardassian installation solely so Picard can get captured and tortured over a two-part <laughs> episode. Yeah, yeah, you know. Good episode. Uh, good. It, it was too good. <laughs> it's annoying, isn't right. it? Yeah, it's like, all right, this scene happened. I liked it. This scene happened. It was pretty good performances. Um yeah, the story was engaging. All right, we're done. But it's also, there was nothing like, uh, I'm not going to say there was nothing like outstanding about it, but there was nothing that like blew my mind about it. It was kind of just like really good, you know? Yeah, I, that's something I've noticed with, um, there's a lot of episodes that I like quite a bit that don't get the uh, 
the attention of some other ones. So, yeah. for example, episodes like this or... Um, what was that one I really liked with, with the Klingons? And uh, I just forget the title. I know what episode it was. It was when Picard was kind of arbitrating that uh, power struggle with those two guys. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget the title, too. But that that was good, yeah. Yeah, I quite... Like I said at the time, I still believe that's one of my favorite episodes of, of TNG. But It is really good. None of these episodes ever really get talked about in the same breath as, like, the inner light, best of both worlds. Like, these big, right. epic, um, very, very unique storylines whereas these are more uh i don't know low-key but still very very well written and um quite engaging so i, don't I know. think i think i do agree with you and i think episodes like these when you kind of stack them on top of each other um and take like when you take them as a whole they i would rather have them than than something like best of both worlds probably right uh, I think this is what I come to Trek for. Um, you know, this and, and all those episodes where, where Riker goes insane. <laughs> this is this is the kind of episode where, you know, speaking as an audience member, theoretically, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I would go turn the TV on in an afternoon, see this on TV, sit down, watch it, and be like, you know, Star Trek rocks. Right. So... I think that TNG, to divvy up the episodes, is probably maybe 30% um, thoughtful, dramatic pieces like this one, Um, 20% uh, bombastic events, event episodes, and 50% uh, ridiculous Troy stuff, or silly things. Um... Right, that you see, I I would say it's ten percent luck, twenty percent skill, fifteen percent concentrated power of will. Riker. <laughs> Whereas um, Deep Space Nine just cuts out forty percent of that the silly Troy stuff. Yeah, <laughs> brings it down to ten percent. Where she then, turns into a cake. Yeah, and then turns up the dial on both of the other elements, where there's. A lot more thoughtful drama stuff and a lot more uh, bombastic events episodes, which sure. might sound a little tiring, but it's um, there's only a couple episodes where things are stupid and silly, and somehow they all involve Ferengi. Oh, God. Like that one where Quark changes <laughs> his gender. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. One day. One day. To watch Deep Series 9, dude. Great! No, I can't wait for every Cardassian episode to be like uh, forty minutes of us talking about deep, or no, forty minutes of you talking about Deep Space Nine to me. <laughs> again, again, once once you're in hospice, you'll yeah. you'll rue your actions. <laughs> uh, saucer seps, Oh, I'm gonna go. You know what? <laughs> I'm going to go four and a half. Wow. It's really good. I yeah. think I'm closer to four, but I don't begrudge you. Yeah. There's, there's just so few things about this episode that are negative, And it's also just really entertaining. So. Hell yeah. Love Hell it. Yeah. Love it. You know what? Maybe I will watch Deep Space Nine. But before <laughs> that. 
You like I have trivia? some trivia. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Absolutely. And uh, today's trivia. Hold on. I get one more to... shot at answering it before you before you say okay. it. Um, <sighs> Q who? No. Um, Shit. Today's trivia is going to revolve around Gull Masset. Okay. Mark Alive, Mutton Chops. Um, I'm going to shoot off, a, I think, a few questions here. Okay. Um, Masset reappears in what? A novel. Perfect. Actually, uh, a series of novels, really. Uh, not necessarily connected, but he appears in quite a few novels. Okay. Um, the similarities between Masset and Ducat were explained as being due to the fact that that they hired the same actor <laughs> canon mitch canon um that they were blood relatives you're getting there yeah more specific brothers are cousins brothers are cousins brothers are cousins cousins <laughs> perfect yes wow wow <laughs> Uh, however, Masset was a much more honorable man than Ducat. Hmm. Well, that's part of Ducat's thing. He's uh, he's roguish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the pocket DS9 story, Fearful Symmetry, implies that he grew facial hair as a conscious effort to... Differentiate himself from Ducat. <laughs> yes! Hell yes! <laughs> oh my god. Um... Oh, here's here's something. In Unity, the parasitic being from Conspiracy tried to bond with him, but was unable to because of a Cardassian immunity to such parasites. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. unnecessary, but interesting. Mm -hmm. That's that's just an episode mirror... that you forget about. He's like, oh, man, I forget that Star Trek had this body horror head explosion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, his, his mirror universe counterpart appears in the novel Warpath. Um, he was the commanding officer of the Klingon Cardassian Alliance vessel Traeger. Okay. Hmm. There and that's been, where the article ends. If I recall, there should have been a, an alliance with the Klingons, Cardassians, and the, the Bajorans? The Romulans, right? Oh, the Bajorans? There, it was definitely three. And there, I, one of the Bajoran characters on Deep Space Nine, her... Mirror Universe self is like working with um, Mirror Universe Worf and uh, Cardassians. It might have been mm. Bajorans. It might have just been that character, but it was definitely a yeah. No, no, yeah, you're right. The the Bajorans became a major partner in the Alliance in the later 24th century after their liberation from the control of the Terran Empire. Right, and that was the thing. All three of those prongs were against the uh, the Terrans, the Earth. I hate the Mirror Universe. So it's so dumb. Deep Space Nine has like five Mirror Universe episodes. One of the the <laughs> final one is where, um, oh, what is what is his name? That guy from Princess Bride, the bald guy, really obnoxious. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the character he plays, the the Grand Nagus, the leader of Ferengi, is kidnapped to the Mirror Universe. So Quark and his brother Rom have to go on a rescue mission. It's terrible. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's amazing oh my god uh good job though you 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 killed it 
Yeah, it was the tangential relation to Deep Space Nine that kept me <laughs> kept me alive here. Your brain just expands thinking about Deep Space Nine. <laughs> your, your head just grows larger, like Mega Mind. I don't know how I'm gonna wear this hat anymore. <laughs> ha! I ruined your hat. No, I I always said I wear a lot of hats, but now I can only wear half of one. Uh. All right, Mitch, I got a bun in the oven, so let's close this. Wow, I didn't know you were pregnant. Um, that's gonna Yeah, I'm, do... I'm, I'm doing an hour. Wow, wow. Start contracting. Hee-hoo, 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 hee-hoo. So, this episode of The Ready Room is brought to you by our loving and tender sponsors, Denny's, home of the Grand Slam, and uh, the Pep Boys, home of the 15-minute oil chains. Drop the phrase readier. At either of these establishments, in person or in an online checkout, coupon code for 15% off of your order or purchase. That's going to do it for this week. Join us next week where we delve into the depths of yet another episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation, and I allude to more better episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Until then, stay safe out there, and a humble stay ready. Troublesome little man child. I stand before you defrocked, condemned to be a member of this lowest of species. Thank you, Ensign. Engage. inside the bottle.